Welcome to Inspire Church's podcast. We're excited you're listening. Our hope is to inspire you to grow in God's Word, to grow more in love with Christ, and to go be a light wherever you are. To find more teachings or donate to the ministry, visit us at inspirechurches.com. Good morning, Inspire Church family. Live studio audience, leaders, where you at? And it could be afternoon. Who knows? You could be listening to this on a Tuesday night, driving somewhere, living in another country. Who knows? Uh, But we're just so thankful that we could broadcast this on so many different levels, YouTube, Facebook Live, podcast, uh, all of those different things. And so you're first time with us. My name is Philip Moella. I am the senior pastor of Inspired Church. And I am super excited just to say next Sunday, May 9th, very special Mother's Day. We're coming back, y'all. Crown Plaza, same bat time, same bat, well, maybe not same bat channel, though. Crown Plaza, Union City, and we have two services to choose from. You can go to our website right now and register, um, and we would love for you just to let us know. Anyways, I'm sure you're getting all the details on social. Typically, I want to change the mood a little bit. Typically, uh, we'll do an introduction before we read the scriptures, but I'm not going to do an introduction. Uh, Pastor Danny came to me before the service and something was really heavy on his heart and he asked me if we would just remember India in our prayers and I got a little convicted in that because we feel so ready to come out of this thing and we're ready to party and celebrate that we don't understand that it's still going on in this world and some of the poorer countries are being hit. And as we celebrate vaccines and the, the, the availability, even though some still might be a little apprehensive, but just the wild availability, I mean, they're giving them away. Um, in other places, they're struggling. And Pastor Danny was telling me that he has some friends in the medical field out there as well, and um, that it is disaster. That families are dying, that people are dying, and that it is a disaster. And so sometimes we can be so disconnected from the world, the nations, right? We can be in our own celebratory place, but yet we, we, we still have to be aware. And so I want to thank Pastor Danny for even pointing that out. And so no intro today. Uh, if you're watching, maybe you might have friends and family in India. We are going to just stop right now. The least we can do is just pray, pray. And so will you... Wherever you're at, bow your head with me. No matter what we think about this pandemic, God, we recognize lives have been changed, harmed. Um, We know that this has been catastrophic. And sometimes... We're, a little, we're seven degrees away from that and we don't feel it. But right now, we lift up India. Have mercy, God. Uh, we recognize that a product of sin is, there are so many elements, including sickness and disease. So we recognize that all of these things are a product of sin in this world. But Lord, have mercy on the Indian people right now. The body of Christ that is there. 
God, would you empower them with your spirit? God, would you open the door for the gospel to bring spiritual healing while we also pray for physical healing? The doctors, the nurses, the first responders, the hospitals that are overwhelmed, overrun. Lord, uh, uh, the people that are coming in sick and dying, the fear that some of us didn't even really feel this year. That God, right now, we just ask for your mercy in India. You would strengthen the believers there. You would empower and strengthen the believers there. And so, Lord, we, we just think about them. God, we sit in um, their disaster, even though it's so difficult to feel it. We're so far away. We connect with our hearts in this moment with our brothers and sisters, not just in the Lord, but just our brothers and sisters, our humanity suffering. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. So, Lord, we lift them up to you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. If you have your Bibles, will you turn with me to Daniel 9? And um, let's, let's get into the Word. Good morning. My name is Marvin Stickle, and I'm on the Red Setup team. Today's verse... Daniel 9, verse 20. I went on praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, pleading with the Lord my God for Jerusalem, his holy mountain. As I was praying, Gabriel, whom I'd seen in the earlier vision, came swiftly to me at the time of the evening sacrifice. He explained to me, Daniel, I have come here to give you insight and understanding. The moment you began praying, a command was given, and now... I am here to tell you what it was, for you are very precious to God. Listen carefully so that you can understand the meaning of your vision. A period of 70 sets of seven has been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish their rebellion, to put an end to their sin, to atone for their guilt, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to confirm the prophetic vision, and to anoint the most holy place. Now listen and understand seven sets of seven plus 62 sets of seven will pass from the time the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem until a ruler, the anointed one, comes. Jerusalem will be rebuilt with streets and strong defenses despite the perilous times. After this period of 62 sets of seven, the anointed one will be killed, appearing to have accomplished nothing and a ruler will arise whose armies will destroy the city and the temple. The end will come with a flood and war, and its miseries are decreed from that time to the very end. The ruler will make a treaty with the people for a period of one set of seven, but after half of this time, he will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings, and as a climax to all of his terrible deeds, he will set up a sacrilegious object that causes desecration until the fate decreed for this defiler is finally poured out on him. My best friend, my brother Marvin, love you. Thank you so much for that. So much I can say, but I'll say that for another time. Um, 
I am, if you're taking notes, and we're going to get through this in a hurry, there's a lot. That was a lot. This, this is heavy, revy, is what people like to call this deep revelation. Uh, so much going on. If you remember last week, we took a 30,000-foot view of Daniel 9, and now we're kind of jumping deeper into Daniel 9 specifically and getting into this revelation. I am entitling this message simply The Big Picture. The Big Picture. Now, if you notice, there was an incredible angelic visitation in this story. And did you catch it? It was the archangel Gabriel that came to visit Daniel. Daniel read the word of God. Daniel prayed. And an angel came with an answer from God. Now, this angelic revelation revealed such complex revelation. Uh, um, but it begins with Daniel, if you remember last week, searching through the prophet Jeremiah's writings. Now, while Daniel, again, if you remember in verses 1 and 2, and you can go back there and see that, while reading the word of the prophet Jeremiah, Daniel made a discovery. Y'all remember that? Jeremiah had prophesied that the desolations of Judah, the Babylonian exile, would last 70 years. So you know what he did? He did the math. Now, if you remember back in chapter 1, Daniel was taken to Babylonian captivity when? In his early teens, possibly 14. And if you remember the last couple of weeks, here now in chapter 9, Daniel is in his early 80s, possibly 82. So if you take, if you take 14 from 82, you get 68, which means Jeremiah says that this exile is almost over, y'all. Daniel must have been ecstatic. I don't know about y'all, but he's been in, in Babylonian captivity. He's been a, a slave. He's been an exile in a foreign land. He's been longing and yearning to go back to home, to go back to Israel. And now he realizes time is almost up. But upon discovering this piece of information, Daniel does the unexpected. You see, if it were me, I would have jumped for joy. I would have threw a party. But note, Daniel doesn't celebrate. If you remember the text, he mourns. The Bible tells us that as soon as he read this prophetic revelation from Jeremiah, instead of jumping for joy, he put on sackcloth. He covered himself in ash. He began to fast, pray, and repent in tears. What? What in the world would cause Daniel to react such uh, unexpectedly to such good news? What did Daniel know? What did Daniel read from the prophet Jeremiah that produced this unexpected, somber response? Well, you see, Daniel knew history. What do I mean by that? He knew that God had rescued Israel from Egyptian slavery. Y'all remember that? And that God had rescued them, brought them to Mount Sinai, and that God had made a covenant with them at Mount Sinai and into the promised land, the land that God had promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he knew that God had made a covenant with them. But he also knew the words of Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28 that said this, if you you obey me if you follow my statutes in the promised land blessings on blessings on blessings on blessings but if you were to disobey certain judgment 
Now, I want to step out from the frame here and just help you put together the big picture. God is a God who desires to enter into a mutually exclusive relationship with his people. And so if you're taking notes, big picture point number one, covenant. God makes a covenant with his people. Now, if you know your history and Daniel did, unfortunately, Israel proved to be what I call and what I think I've heard habitual line steppers. They were constantly crossing the line, stepping over the line. They just couldn't help themselves. When in the promised land, they were continually turning away from God and turning to idols. Yet God showed mercy. Come on, can we take a moment and just thank God for his mercy? They continually, watch this, they continually turn from God and step to idols, yet God showed mercy. You see, he sent them prophets to warn them of judgment and plea and convince them to repent. So Daniel's heart must have sunk as he began to sift through the words of the prophet Jeremiah. Remember, Daniel is reading the words of the prophet. And so what is he reading? He's actually reading Jeremiah 25. And so Daniel's heart must have sunk as he read these words from the prophet Jeremiah 25, verses 3 through 5. And I'm going to paraphrase it. The prophet Jeremiah said this, For 23 years the word of the Lord has come to me, and I have spoken persistently to you but you have not listened Jeremiah continues the Lord persistently sent to you all his servants the prophets saying turn now dwell upon the land that the Lord has given to you and your fathers from old and forever turn now but Judah only grew more stubborn. They rejected God's prophets, and if you recall the history, they rejected many of God's prophets by even killing some. And each generation, are you ready, grew more wicked than the generation before. Daniel must have wept as he continued to read through Jeremiah's prognosis. Listen to Jeremiah 25. 8 through 9. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, because you have not obeyed my words, behold, I will send for all the tribes of the north, declares the Lord. Now watch this. And Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, and I will bring them against this land and its inhabitants. Yo, how like... That's like prophetic precision, y'all. That's like somebody reading your mail and getting it perfectly. Jeremiah prophesied, if you continue to disobey my word, guess who is coming? Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. Now, I want to stop there again. Remember, big picture. I want to step out of this story and paint the big picture. So if you're taking notes, you remember the first word I gave you was the word covenants. God is a God of covenants. 
God desires to be in a mutually exclusive relationship with his people. And now if you're taking notes, the second thing you can write under covenant is sin. Even though God wants to be mutually exclusive with his people, his people don't reciprocate that desire. His people fall short. His people sin. His people break the covenant and continue in their unfaithfulness. Big picture. Covenant, sin, and we're going to add a third element, judgment. Judgment. What is judgment? It is consequences, discipline, punishment, right? God responds to those who would take advantage of his grace and reject his mercy. Y'all with me? And again, covenant, sin, judgment. I typically don't do a call and response, but let's say that together. Covenant, sin, judgment. And so as Daniel studied Jeremiah, remember, Daniel's reading Jeremiah. Jeremiah is painting this picture. As Daniel studied the text, the prophet Jeremiah would a- answer three criti- critical questions. <laughs> I was going to say critical questions. Three critical questions. I'm going to give you these questions up front. Number one, why are they in exile? They would say, God, why are we here? Why are they in exile? Number two, who is behind this exile? And number three, how long? How long? Wow, isn't that a question we ask? How long? How long, oh Lord, will we be in exile? Why are we in exile? Who is behind this exile? And for how long will we be here? And so number one is why are we in this exile? Well, the simple answer is you. The simple answer is sin. We are in this exile because of what? Our sin. If y'all remember how the prophet Jeremiah was framing this, Judah had what? Broken the promise, breached the contract, violated the covenant. And guess what? They didn't just do it one time. (laughs) Jeremiah described it as persistent for 23 years. In fact... The southern tribes, Israel, because, you know, they split after Solomon. Northern was Judah. Southern was Israel. Israel went into Babylonian captivity. or Not Babylon. They went to Assyrian captivity. Because 120 years before Judah went into Babylonian captivity. So now Judah got to see their brothers and sisters, Israel, go into captivity 120 years ago. And here is Jeremiah saying, I have been persistently warning you for 23 years. I think somebody needs to just pay attention to this. Some of us, you know, we paint God as such a wrathful, vengeful. God is slow to anger. He's quick to forgive. We're not talking about a one-time breach, even though God was fully within his rights in a one-time breach. Come on, married couples. You get cheated on one time. God was fully within his rights, but yet we're talking about 23 years of persistent, nonstop unfaithfulness in the land. So before we go and talk about the judgment and wrath of God and believe it to be something that is just a terrible thing, God is patient. He is slow to anger. 
quick to forgive. And we are stubborn and stiff-necked. Why were they in exile? Sin. Not just one sin, but a persistent, nonstop, continual breach, violation of the covenants. You want to know the most shocking thing about that? If that's not shocking enough, y'all ready? They didn't just break the promises. They killed the prophets. They didn't just break the promises, and that is bad enough, but they killed the prophets, y'all. I got something to apply to us today. How dangerous is it for us to live in sin, continue in sin, and then silence the voices of godly wisdom and accountability in our lives? Mm, Silencing these voices is literally rejecting God's mercy in your life. We silence God's voice when we regularly skip simple devotion. We silence God's voice when we're angered by accountability. We silence God's voice when we're unwilling to be transparent. We silence God's voice when we surround ourselves with people willing to accommodate our sin. (laughs) We silence our voice. We silence, I'm sorry, God's voice when we surround ourselves with people willing to accommodate our sin while we put up walls and become angry with those who are called to hold us to a higher standard. Mentors, leaders, spiritual mamas and papas, Pastors, friends, you stop getting those phone calls when somebody is keeping you at arm's length because they know that you're the person who's going to remind them of God and call them to repentance. All of a sudden, that friendship, that relationship goes dry for a while. I'm not advocating for spiritual abuse. I'm not saying, you know, you have to tell a leader all your sin and and that you can be, you know, somebody can be rude and arrogant, egotistical and prideful with you and mishandle you. I'm not, t- I am just advocating for godly voices, godly people that you know love you, desire what's best for you, friends in your life. But yet when you're in that place, in that space, our tendency to hold people at arm's distance. Remember, they didn't just break promises, but they killed prophets. How about this? We silence God's voice when we suppress the whispers of the Holy Spirit telling us no. 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 And it's not just one time, (laughs) y'all. As a pastor, I've been a youth pastor. I've pastored young adults. I've pastored people older than me, younger than me. I haven't been around for a long time, but I have been around just long enough. I see stories Over the years, I'll have conversations with people who are kind of, you ever had a conversation with somebody who was at a crossroads? Mm -hmm. You could feel it in your spirit. It's heavy. You could see it in their eyes. And you know, in that moment, they're battling in attention. They're battling with humility and they want to repent. And they're battling with their idolatry and wanting to stay in their sin. Have you ever sat across somebody and you knew they were at their crossroads? And you knew that God was putting you in their lives to warn them graciously. I have. 
I know that feeling. In fact, I've had people sit with me and I've been there at that crossroads. And as a pastor, as a leader, as a discipler, we're all disciplers. And many of you in the room and watching, some of you have experienced this. How heartbreaking is it when they leave that conversation and you know that they're going the other way? And now that we have Facebook and social media, it's not too difficult to kind of keep tabs. And there have been so many casualties of war in this experience of ministry where your heart is just breaking because you remember five years ago, three years ago, you had that crossroad conversation. If they would have just humbled themselves, thrown themselves at the vulnerability of the cross, they would have just cried and repent before Jesus. Their life would look so much different. And now years later, they're addicted. They're in abusive relationships. Who knows what has happened in their own personal lives. There's so many things that could have been avoided. And it all goes back to that crossroad moment when they decided to not just persist in sin, but in a very gracious way, kill the prophet. Why are we here? Sin. We're in exile because of sin. Number two. Who's behind this? <laughs> Who's behind this exile? This is actually really fascinating. Jeremiah mentions Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar. Y'all remember that? But you know what he says ultimately? He calls them God's servants. Did you catch that? He calls them God's servants. Who is behind this exile? Are you ready? God. That's heavy, y'all. That's, that's theology that might, you might not understand. Right? Though, listen, Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon were Judah's enemies, they were God's servants. Wow. Y'all see that? Yeah. Though Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar were Judah's enemies, they were God's servants. Read it. Jeremiah the prophet says, I'm sending my servant, Nebuchadnezzar. And this doesn't refer to Nebuchadnezzar's character. We all know the story. He besieged Judah, Israel. I'm sorry, uh, Jer Jerusalem. But for some like Daniel, ready? God's judgment, exile. God is the ultimate. He's the one that raised Nebuchadnezzar up to what? Exile the people of Israel. God was behind this. For some like Daniel, guess what? Judgment became a form of God's mercy. Watch, because even though God's judgment seemed hard, it catalyzed repentance. It catalyzed repentance. Daniel is crying. He is in sackcloth and ash, and he's on his knees repenting. Y'all remember we went through that? He's repenting before the Lord, even though judgment seems hard and harsh. It can catalyze repentance. Get this, trials, tribulations, calamities, disasters. I'm not necessarily saying they're all directly God's judgment, but hear the principle. Trials, tribulations, calamities, disasters, rock bottom will either push you deeper into sin or bring you back to the arms of the Father. Yeah. <clears throat> Amen. Amen. Big picture. Big picture. Number one, covenant. Number two, sin. Number three, judgment. 
We're going to add two more elements to it. Number four, repentance. And number five, return. Return. Come back home. Come back home. Come back home. As long as there's still breath in your body, though you may be low, you can come back home. And I'm not saying that God orchestrated all of the calamities in your life. Hear me out, because there are a lot of things that are coming to us because of sin. But I am saying that the principle that rock bottom and calamity in this particular scripture for this particular people, exile was a way to get them to what? Repent and come back. And I'm going to tell you, your rock bottom is a way for you to be humbled and realizing that your persistent sin has got you into a pit. And if you would just come back to the father and go home, he would clean things up and turn things around. Set my feet on solid ground. We'll sing that song. Let's go back to where you at. Just kidding. <laughs> number one. Number one, why are we in exile? Sin. Number two, who's behind this exile? God. <laughs> and number three, are you ready? How long will this exile last? How long will it last? Here's the simple answer. We said sin, God. You ready? How long will this last? 70 years. 70 years. It's right there. Jeremiah said 70 years. 70 years. Now, some of you love Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans you have. Like, that's everyone's favorite verse, but y'all don't even know the context of your favorite verse. We just tend to pick verses because it sounds good, but we have no idea the blood, the sweat, the repentance, the tears that go into the verse. Jeremiah 29, 10 through 14 says this. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and find me. And when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. This very text inspired Daniel to seek the Lord in prayer. And I got to go quickly because time is escaping In Daniel's, watch, unexpected prayer. Are you ready? Machine gun? Here we go. Daniel's unexpected prayer produced an unexpected response. Daniel was given an angelic visitation. Marvin read it after he had read Jeremiah and he started to repent. An angel came and said, Daniel, I have an answer for you. Uh, I have an answer. Are you ready? Daniel was given an angelic visitation to unveil the big picture. And here it is. Guess what? Daniel was thinking Judah, but God was thinking humanity. Daniel asked about the next few years, but God revealed to him the rest of human history. Daniel thought 70 years would be enough to fix the problems, but God ordained 77s. Now, biblical scholar J.A. Morgan called this final section of Daniel 9 a dismal swamp for interpreters. There has been much speculation, much guessing regarding the 77s and how it's broken down. Seven sevens, 62 sevens, and one seven. 
Is this God's apocalyptic countdown? <laughs> are these sequence of numbers literal or symbolic? What are the abominations? Who is the desolator? When will it all take place? Let me be clear. It's not clear. <laughs> we weren't meant to know. All we can do is take comfort in the fact that God's sovereign hand is guiding human history towards his ends and that even his enemies are being used for his glory. This has been the great theme of the book of Daniel. But I do want to spend our final moments, and I really do mean final, to focus on what I call the final goal of human history revealed to us in verse 24. Now, there are some things that are unclear, but there are some things God meant to make clear. Are you ready for the final goals of human history? Are you ready? Because I'm going to go fast. I'm going to go fast. I feel like the micro machine guy. Ready? Here we go. Number one, he says, to finish transgression. God's bigger picture was to put an end to exile and to bring his people home. They had, they, had time, they had done the time and now they did the crime and the punish was now, the punishment was now complete to put a finish to transgressions. Number two, to put an end to sin. Exile was not the problem, y'all. Exile was not the problem. God would end one exile, but guess what? Israel would go back into another exile. The problem was an exile. The problem was what? Sin. And God says, not only am I going to finish transgressions, but in 77s, here's else what I'm going to do. I'm going to put an end to sin. I want you to see this. Exile wasn't the problem. It was the consequence of the problem. So if God wanted to keep his people permanently home, he would have to permanently deal with sin. I wish you guys were here. I wish we had leaders that were here tonight ready for this. I'm just messing with you. I love y'all. But come on, I need some love. Not only he wanted to finish transgression, but number two, he wanted to put an end to sin. You ready? Number three, he said atone, and, atone for iniquity. This might be my favorite part. Y'all ready for this? Not only would God remove present sin, but past sin, future sin, shame of sin, condemnation from sin, guilt of sin, bondage to sin. He would wipe sin clean by his substitutionary atoning work. I need someone to praise Jesus right now. In God's big picture, he planned to provide an ultimate substitutionary atonement that would deal for sin with sin forever. And if you don't like that, what that would usher in is number four, everlasting righteousness, because that's what verse 24 it says to bring in everlasting righteousness. What do I mean? One day in God's big picture, I said one day in God's big picture, guess what? There will be no more corruption, no more violence, no more injustice, no more abuse. There will be no more corrupt politicians, crooked cops, systemic injustices, physical abuse, sexual assault, social inequities, political disenfranchisement, physical slavery. One day there will be no such thing as an illegal immigrant. No need for a welfare state. The raising of the minimum wage. There will be no racism, classism, sexism, atheism, ableism, anti-Semitism, no isms. Why? Why? Because there will be no more alienation from God and the sin that produces it. Number five, and I know I am going over my time, but I'm going fast to seal both vision and profit. One day, they'll come the living word. And he will be the final word. And every law and every prophecy he will fulfill. And every word from God he will embody. Jesus Christ, number six, to anoint the most holy place. 
This place has been debated by scholars, but this holy place will be a holy person who will produce a holy priesthood. Amen. Ephesians 2, 20 through 21 says, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophet, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into one holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God's spirit. First Peter chapter two, verses four through five, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I promise this is it. Amen. I want to conclude by giving you the big picture. Are you ready? And then there's going to be a big round of applause and we are done. Here we go. Number one, covenant. Y'all remember? After rescuing Israel from Egyptian slavery, God made a covenant with his people in the promised land. There they would be his people and he would be their God. Big picture. In the garden, humanity was created to experience the perfect fellowship with God. In this paradise, they would be his people and he would be their God. Covenant. Number two, sin. Sin. In the promised land, Judah had broken the covenant and become unfaithful to God. In paradise, in the garden, big picture, humanity fell into temptation and disobeyed God. Covenant, sin. Number three, judgment. As a result of their sin, Judah was exiled to Babylon. Pastor Roger said this. Uh, in the big picture, as a result of our sin, humanity was expelled from the garden. Big picture, ready? Covenant, sin, judgment, number four, repentance. But after 70 years, Daniel prayed, fasted, put on sackcloth and ash. The Lord heard his cry and delivered Judah from exile. Big picture, after 77s, Christ, the Messiah, would come to finish transgressions, put an end to sin, atone for iniquity, usher in everlasting righteousness, seal both prophet and vision, and anoint the most holy place. Finally, number five, return. <laughs> Going home. You see, for Judah, home was Zion, the temple where God's presence was. But guess what? They would still face suffering, and they would still be one day exiled again because sin would still be here big picture <laughs> creation will one day be renewed hmm. there will be no more suffering bodies will be glorified paradise restored and we will be at home in the presence of God never to go into exile again this is the big picture and this is the way God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday. Thank you for joining us for this week's Inspire Churches podcast. Don't forget to share or subscribe to join us every Sunday. You can keep up with Inspire Churches through Instagram at Inspire Churches or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Inspire Churches. To support the ministry, you can click on the link in the description or visit us at inspirechurches.com for more information.